Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Well, good morning. I, uh, I remember the, the first time that it occurred to me that, that fashions and trends change. It was, uh, it was the, uh, the late 80s. And I, like many children in the late 80s, was walking around in what I would now call Daisy Duke shorts, something kind of awkward and, and short, and uh, rocking an outfit that maybe you wouldn't really approve of now. But I was looking at some pictures of, uh, of my parents' wedding, looking back, and uh, I said, Dad, what are, what are those pants you're wearing? And he said, son, those are bell-bottoms. And he, he proceeded to, uh, to explain 70s fashion to me for my parents' wedding. Uh, they, they, they bought suits, and uh, my dad, apparently at the time, this is just the coolest thing you could do, they bought denim bell-bottom suits, like three-piece with a vest, and uh, he, he had like big old lamb chop sideburns, I think they're called at the time, right? And his haircut was, I don't know, just extra bushy on the sides, and he kind of looked like he was uh, David Cassidy or somebody, if you know who that is, right? So uh, there, was a, there was a moment when I was young where I just thought, Wow, Dad, that's uh, that's not very cool. I'm so glad that I don't dress like that, right? Because I was I was awesome at that time, and and I proceeded to uh, to grow up and and go through fashion. And it's ironic because I think uh, much of what I wore growing up is probably back in style or something I would I would wear now. But I remember uh, one of my favorite pairs of uh, pants growing up were these uh, purple khakis that I had uh, that were very much like these. Actually, they were they were cuffed at the bottom. I got them at Kmart. Some of you don't know what Kmart is, but it was pretty baller back in the day, okay? Uh, and I had, the, I had a maroon pair, I had a purple pair, I had a teal pair, uh, and these, these pants were awesome, let me just tell you that. So I was rocking like colored denim and, and fluorescent colors were huge back then, and, and uh, then there's that, that moment, anyone that's ever uh, worn uh, clothes or any sort of fashion, you realize that for better or worse, even if you think you're not buying into huge trends, there's a moment where, where you just start to realize, like, yeah, I can't wear that anymore, right? Or I, I shouldn't wear that anymore. And so the same, the same happened to me where fluorescent colors started to go out of style and Nirvana got cool. And I just thought, I'm going to own every flannel in the whole world, right? And so I started, I started rocking flannels. And, and uh, it's funny because I said I didn't want to be like my dad in the 70s, but everybody started growing their hair out, and I thought, I'm going to grow my hair out too. It's what's awesome, right? So I, uh, I got a bowl cut, but then I let it go down a little longer, and it was pretty awesome. I paired that with my flannel. The ladies loved it in eighth grade, and it was just a good era for old Mark, right? And, and yet, as I, as I did that, fashion began to change again, and there was a, a day that I realized, you know what? I've got to get some baggy pants. And not just any baggy pants. I've got to get some baggy corduroys. Like the, the real thick, wide baggy corduroys. Because those are awesome, as you guys know, right? And so I, uh, I proceeded to, to buy those. And yet, just like all these other fashions, there was a day that I looked in the mirror and thought, baggy corduroys aren't cutting it anymore. I need a baggy velour suit because I want to be like Eminem, right? And so I went and bought a baggy velour suit. And I, I got a throwback jersey and a throwback hat. And I was... Again, pretty awesome in my eyes, right? And so I'm wearing this stuff. And, and then there was a day that I, that I looked in the mirror, that I looked up, and I just thought, that's, that's not it anymore. I feel like, I feel like people are starting to, to wear skinnier jeans. And, and so I started to do the opposite, right? And there's always that time, anytime that you're bought into fashion, anytime that you're trying to stay cool, anytime that you're trying to be relevant, that you look around and you just think, like, that's not it anymore. And so sometimes it's just looking in the mirror. It's looking in the mirror and, and saying, 
yep, this isn't, this isn't who I want to be. Sometimes some of you who have siblings or a friend who cares too much or perhaps a spouse who likes to keep you accountable, they'll just suddenly tell you, I'm throwing that away or you're not wearing that anymore or we can't go in public like that, right? But there's a moment where someone basically says to you, like, you look, you look ridiculous and, and we're not going to do that anymore. And it's, it's kind of only in, in hindsight that you do that because you get to look in the mirror and you get to say, oh, oh, I look like that, right? There's, there's moments that I look back right now and I think like, oh, I had a bowl cut. Yeah, all right, maybe that wasn't the best idea. Oh, I wore baggy corduroys. Yeah, not my best look. I kind of wish I would have saved the velour suit because it felt like I was wearing a cloud, but I wouldn't have worn it in public, all right? So you guys have to, you have to believe me, but there's times we look in the mirror and we just look back and we think, that was, that was ridiculous, Right? We've been, we've been in, a, in a series uh, these last couple of weeks. We've been talking about leadership. We've been talking about our influence. And we've been talking about ways that, that we can live more like Christ, ways that our lives can, can look more like God. And we've been in the book of 2 Timothy. And, and something that we want to do today is just provide that look in the mirror for us as leaders and as Christ followers. Sometimes we have to look at our own lives. We have to look at who we've been and where we've been. And we have to decide, is the person that I see in the mirror, is the person that I'm becoming, the person that I've been, the person person that I am right now, is that who I want to be? And so this morning, we want to develop that concept and, and provide a little reality check and a glimpse in the mirror. I said that we've been in the book of, of 2 Timothy. The book of 2 Timothy was written to a man named Timothy by his mentor, Paul. Paul had raised him up and, and kind of been his, his leader and, and had apprenticed him. And Paul was in prison and, and believed that this was going to be the final thing that he ever said to Timothy. This was going to be his, his end game. This was going to be the last thing that he said because he knew that he was probably going to be put to death. And so this person that he had cared for, this person that he had trained, this person that he had seen grow up and mature in the faith, he was saying, this is the last thing I get to tell you. If I never say anything again, if we never speak again, this is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to remember about being a Christ follower. This is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to remember about being on mission. And this is what I want you to know and remember about being a leader who's taking the gospel forward and growing the church. Timothy was a young leader, and this was written to him in, in this lifespan, and so we, we believe that these words are also applicable to us, and so we've been in this, this book for these last couple weeks just talking through these concepts, and so I want to invite you to, uh, to turn to the book of 2 Timothy. We're going to uh, look at, at another passage this week and talk about the end game. What are some of the final things that Paul wanted to boil down uh, for his disciple Timothy? We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 1 through 16, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. There's probably a Bible in front of you, behind you, under your chair, somewhere right around there. And if you've got one of those Bibles, we're going to be on page 915. Page 915, we want to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 16, and see what this has to say to us together. See the reality check and the look in the mirror that this can provide. So page 915, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. These are Paul's words to Timothy. It says this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay awake, I'm sorry, stay away <clears throat> from people like that. 
They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth, such as Janus and Jamres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Jamres. But you, Timothy, verse 10, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and they themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Was we've been uh, going through this, this book these last couple weeks and talking about the final words of Paul to Timothy, some of these major pillars and things that he wanted to pass on to this, this man that he had invested in so greatly. We've, we've looked at some different things a couple weeks ago. We, we learned that to, to lead, for Timothy to carry on this, this banner of leadership, he was going to have to, to serve others like Christ. He was going to have to raise up other young leaders. He was going to have to apprentice them, and he was going to have to expect to suffer because that's what happens in the life of a leader. Last week, we said that we we have to learn how to find our approval from God and from no one else because there will be times that we feel like others don't approve of what we're doing or we're not impressing them and sometimes we have to know that we're working for an audience of one and we're working to please God and find his approval and like I said this week we want to talk about the reality check that this passage provides and, and so you've got to imagine that it's so easy to look around and be discouraged and overwhelmed sometimes by how bad things are, right? I mean most of you have social media and most of you have relatives and most of you have seen the world that we live in I think probably in the last month or or year or decade or whatever you want to say there are times you ever look around and just think wow this is not the world I want to live in or this is not the world I remember it was so much better when I was younger man things are things are getting bad no one's ever thought that I'm sure it's probably just me because I'm super super pessimistic right no we we look around and we think that all the time we think wow Wow, that's an, another, another world event like that. Another, another crumbling country, another, another massacre, all of these things happening. And we even look at people and we look at our friends and we look at their morality and we look at all of these things piling up and we, we just look around us and we think, this is, this is going nowhere. This is falling apart. This world, the very fabric and DNA of this world and of culture and of humanity is falling apart. And we think, oh, this is, this is unique to us. And and yet a couple thousand years ago when this was written, the same thing was, was being said, right? Paul is saying, listen, there's going to be times if you're going to be a Christ follower, if you're going to be devoted to the gospel and living your life for the gospel, you're going to look around and you're going to look at people and you're going to look at the church and you're going to look at Christians and you're going to look at your friends and you're going to think, wow, that's, that's not good. 
He's saying there's times you're going to look around and you're going to be discouraged and you're going to be overwhelmed by how bad things are. And he, he kind of comes through those things that we just read and he, he goes through all of these scenarios, these things that are terrible about people loving money and being boastful and proud and scoffing at God and not, disrespect, and not respecting their parents and being ungrateful and, and they're unforgiving and all of these terrible character attributes that are just, just ways that we see the, the world falling apart. And as we, as we read that, it's probably easy to be like, yep, yep. Yep, there's another bad one. Yep, that's the world we live in. Yep, he's talking about the United States. Yep, he's talking about the modern day. Yes, he's talking about this political party in Ohio right now. Yep, that's what we're talking about. Yep, yep. And we check things off in our mind and, and eventually we, we realize that, that this world left to itself, left to our own nature, left to the culture that we create and left to the sin that we love and who we naturally want to be will pull itself apart will separate itself from God and and will become nothing. And and so this is saying all of these things, that people are going to be lovers of selves. They'll be boastful, proud. They'll love money. They'll love pleasure. There will be broken relationships, like I said, with their their parents, but also with with just their, their friendships. There's going to be slander. There's going to be people that are unforgiving. There's going to be cruel hatred. There's going to be people betraying friends. There's going to be people living reckless. And that's unfortunately the effect and the nature of sin that inhabits you and I at times when we let it and that's the the nature that infects this world and and runs this world in so many ways and so the the root of that is that people have a distorted understanding of a relationship with God this passage is saying that there are going to be people who are going to say yeah I'm religious yeah I'm I'm a spiritual person yeah I I grew up in church or, yeah, I, 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 want to be a, I want to be a good person. And yet they're only going to care about themselves. When we give our lives to Jesus, when we say, Jesus, I'm not enough, but you are. And I want you, I want you to, to be the driving force in my life. I want to hand you the steering wheel. And Lord, I want you to take over. I want to live my life for you. He says, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to empower you. I'm going to gift you the Holy Spirit, one of the persons of the Trinity. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you and guide you and walk with you and, and lead you. And so when we're living for Jesus, when we're living on mission, we should be being led by the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we look around and we see the world and we see so many terrible things going on and we can say that there are many, many people, even those who claim to be Christ followers, those who claim to be on mission, those who claim to be religious, who are not living a life that's led by the Holy Spirit. And they, they say things that, that sound kind of godly and kind of spirit-led and kind of Christian and kind of religious and, and kind of good. And maybe you've said some of these things, but this is, this is the root of this. People say things like, well, God wants me to be safe and happy and God wants me to be comfortable and God wants this. For, I'm going to do this. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is leading the other way. That passage tells us that there's going to be moments that we're going to be persecuted and everything is not about our safety and our comfort. But there are people who claim the name of Jesus who say, nah, my God is about my safety and my comfort and my happiness. And so I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what I want. Maybe they say things like this. God helps those who who help themselves. So I'm not going to give money to the homeless because they need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And we we make up these phrases that are just not Christ-like, that aren't out of the heart of Scripture, that aren't spirit-led, and yet we claim the name of Christ. We claim these things that are good. And we say, no, I'm I'm doing what I need to do. I'm I'm being who I need to be. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. And we're not. 
and they're not. And they're being led by themselves and they're being led by their own motives and they're being led by the person that they want to be instead of being led by the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's easy for us to look back in hindsight and say, I can't believe I wore that. That's, that's so out of style now. And it's easy for us to look at other people and I can't believe they, they did that, right? It's easy for us to look at the lives of other people and say, who would, who would behave like that? They are a terrible Christian. I'm glad I'm not like that person. I'm glad I didn't do fill in the blank or I'm glad I don't behave like fill in the blank or I'm glad that my life does not look like that person. But this morning, I want, I want Paul's words to, to kind of be a, a mirror for us. And I, I want to just ask this question as leaders, as Christ followers, as people who are on mission. Have we let some of these words and some of these descriptions and some of this destructive kind of behavior, have we let these things slide into our lives? I mean, yeah, we can read that list of 30 things and think like, oh, those are the bad things, the bad things that I don't want to do, the person that I don't want to be. No, I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not that. But if we're being honest, in any given week, do you love yourself? That's rhetorical, because I know we do, right? We love ourselves, and we look out for ourselves, and we protect ourselves, and we think of ourselves. And so a couple weeks ago, we said that we should be serving, and we should be giving our lives, and we should be pouring out our lives like Jesus did on the cross. And yet, that doesn't really make a lot of sense in our minds most weeks, because we're thinking that we got to look out for number one. So are you a lover of yourself? Are you boastful? Are you proud? Do you think that your way is better than God's way? Does money affect your decision-making and your attitude to a fault? Do you seek out pleasure instead of seeking out God? Have you let some of your relationships with people be broken because, because you're disobedient to your parents? And that sounds like something that's written to 10-year-olds, right? And yet, there's a whole lot of people in here with a whole lot of parents, and there's a whole lot of bad relationships. We're called to honor our parents even when they're crazy, even when they're not Christ-like, and even when we're older than 10. And so we've got to ask, if this is how we're describing behavior that isn't led by the Spirit, how are you doing at honoring your parents regardless of your age? Are you grateful for the things God has given you? Are you loving and forgiving of people? Are you showing self-control? Are you being cruel? Are you hating people? Are you slandering people? Are you betraying your friends? Are you being faithful to your friends? Or are you just living reckless? We like to think that the, the mass of those things, yeah, I don't struggle with that. But as we, as we splice those out and we look in the mirror, is there one of those that you would say, you know what, I'm someone who does claim the name of Jesus. I'm someone who would say that I'm a Christ follower. I, I'm someone that would say I want my life to be on mission, and yet I've kind of slid into that behavior. I've let that affect me. I've let that change me. So here's our, our big idea for the, this morning. It's, it's simple. It's this, just a reality check. Does the mirror show that, that you look like Jesus? As you look in the mirror and you look at your life, does the mirror show that you look like Jesus? We're told that when we're led by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit should be in our lives. People should be able to look at our lives and see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. People should be able to look at us and see those things. What do people see when they look at your life? 
And this isn't even just about other people. What do you see when you look at your life? Because sometimes we just keep putting on the same clothes that we've been putting on and we wear them and we wear them and we wear them and we go about our business and we, we haven't looked in the mirror, we haven't checked things out in a while and one day we look in the mirror and we just think that's, that's not the person that I want to be. That's, that's not who I want to portray to the world. The character that I'm seeing in myself, the, the things that I'm seeing in myself are not who I want to be. And I'm not being led by the Spirit. I'm not being controlled by the Spirit. I'm not being changed by the Spirit. And that's what Paul's saying to Timothy right now. He's saying sometimes you have to look in the mirror as a leader, as a Christ follower, as a Christian. And you have to say, is the person that's in the mirror, does he actually look like Jesus? Does that person look like Jesus? As the world looks at me, will they see Jesus or what will they see? So what does, it, what does it look like for, 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 for Paul to say this to Timothy, knowing that he's probably going to be killed for his faith and that he's not going to be there to write these reminder letters to Timothy? What advice is he giving him to say, hey, for the rest of your life, you've got to have a little reality check. You've got to look in the mirror and you've got to say, am I being the person that I want to be? Do I look like Jesus? Do I look like Christ? How is my life right now? What, is it, what does it look like to do that? Well, there's a couple things that he, he points out, and one of them is pretty visible in verse 14 of that passage. Let me read it to you here again he says but you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught you know they are true for you know you can trust those who taught you and so I want you to know if you're going to look in the mirror if you're going to regularly say how can I make my life look like Jesus you've got to follow the example of those godly people around you who lead you follow the godly example of those people around you who lead you now that that sounds kind of self-serving I realize because I'm literally standing on a stage right now and I promise this isn't one of those look at me moments because we are not a church that's about one person but we are a church that's made up of volunteer teams and people using their gifts and movement groups and so some of you maybe have never even talked to me and some of you don't talk to me in the course of a week and that's fine because this isn't about me like I'm saying but you have someone in this room or in your faith walk that you know that you look up to that has introduced you to Jesus who has led you in a relationship with Jesus who has discipled you who has helped you you grow and all he's saying is simply you've got to stay in touch with those people you've got to look to those people the people who have invested in you and 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 those people that you would have said once upon a time that person is godly I want to be like them you've still got to be around those people and let their godliness rub off on you you've got to make sure that you're rubbing shoulders with those people looking to those people letting those people speak into your life and staying in touch with those people why is that a big deal? Because that's, that's really not how it works in America, right? I mean, we, uh, we, we like to think that, that time and distance separate, or sometimes we have falling outs with people, and so sometimes the people that brought us to faith we don't really talk to anymore, and things are awkward, and, and something went down. And so some of us don't really talk to anyone who has been a part of our story. We don't really, we don't really interact with anyone who, is, who has had an impact on us. And so when you slip into your old self, the new people in your life don't know that. When you start to, to trip up and, and, and let things take your life over again, you need, you need someone that knew you back when, right? It's, it's like going home. Some of you have, have hung out with me and know that I have a problem with whistling. I recently got yelled at this week for whistling around the office a little too much, but I'm sorry. I love the Instant Christmas album, and I'm not going to apologize more than that, all right? I just, I like to whistle that thing while I work, right, as I'm working on this very message right here. And, and our loving kids director, Jen, told me, you need to stop whistling so loud. I, I want to come downstairs and choke you sometimes, right? And so, so but, but my mom calls me out on that. When I go home, she, she knows not just the, the guy in his 30s that whistles too much, but she knew the 10-year-old 
four-year-old boy that would like skip around the house in his hammer pants and his fluorescent windbreaker, right? And would whistle. And she's like, you're whistling again. It's annoying, you know? And, and she knows me and she's been a part of my story and she's been a part of the investment in my life and she's able to call me out and she knows who I am and where I'm at and what I struggle with and she's able to speak into my life. So make sure that you don't eliminate all of the relationships of people who have invested in your life and people who have been a part of your story. And I'm not just talking about your mom. I'm talking about the person that led you to the Lord. And I'm talking about the person that invested in you in college. And I'm talking about the person who has discipled you. And I'm talking about your first movement group leader and your second movement group leader and the person that apprenticed you when when you became a movement group leader and all of the people who have been a part of your story and know how your leadership and your walk has been developed. Let them continue to speak into your life. Let them continue to be an example and lead you in some way because godliness is the pursuit, but godliness sometimes doesn't happen because we stop listening to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit, guess what, can speak through other people and can communicate through other people. And sometimes we're not wanting to listen to the Holy Spirit when he talks to us, and so he has to send our friend to say, hey, stop whistling, you're really annoying. That's an example. It's probably not your example. Sometimes God has to use other people to lead us and speak into our lives. And so follow the example of those godly people around you who lead you now and and who have led you in the past. The second way that we can make sure that we're always looking in the mirror and having a reality check is simply just this, to follow the truth of God's word. Verses 15 and, and 16 of that passage just say this, that you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, you've been given wisdom, and you've received the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to say that all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And so simply this, we need to regularly look at the Bible and obey the Bible. And I I couldn't say something more simple, and I realize that that sounds like a cute little t-shirt or bumper sticker, but we need to regularly be reading the Bible and obeying the Bible and letting it have the authority to speak into our lives. Because some of us read that and we think like, well, yeah, but that was written 2,000 years ago. I mean, that's when people were getting married when they were like 13 and everyone owned a camel. And so that doesn't even speak into my life. I have two master's degrees and I have a mortgage and and my life is different. And so this this old book, I, I get what it's saying. There's a principle there, but it doesn't actually mean what it's says, I'm going to just kind of take it to heart and, and let it you know, soak into my life and I'll try to be a good person. No, we need to let scripture speak into our lives. God has been very clear about what a godly life looks like and what a life that honors him looks like and sometimes we just ignore that. And so if we're going to to let our lives have a reality check and we're going to look in the mirror and say, does my life look like Jesus? Am I the person that I need to be? We need to let scripture speak into our lives. And so go back up and look at that passage, this passage we're looking at at the, the top of this again. Ask yourself, is there one of these areas that you're struggling in? Is there one of these areas that you're not spirit-led, that you've let sin creep into your life, you've drifted kind of off course? Let Scripture have that authority. Be sensitive. Listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you. Is there something that he's trying to say, that needs to change? That's not a good look. That's not who we want to be anymore We need to change that. Ultimately, we we have to ask this. Which life are are you living? Because I would say that most of us are aware of what a, 
a Christ-centric life looks like, what a Holy Spirit-led life looks like. And, and we're very aware when we're, when we're living for ourselves. Which one of those lives do you want to pursue? And if you say that you want to pursue a life that looks like Jesus, you have to embrace certain patterns. You have to embrace certain rhythms. And you can't be satisfied with what feels good or what comes natural. Sometimes other people are going to speak into your lives. Other people are going to keep you on course. And often, you're going to have to let God's word speak into your life. So this morning, as we talk about this, as we talk about being a leader Everyone in this room is a leader. Everyone in this room has someone who is looking to you for inspiration and who is looking to you because you have influence in their life. You may not have an office or a position or whatever, but we're all leaders and we're all Christ followers who are living on mission. And so take an honest evaluation of yourself. Have you been deceiving yourself into thinking you're doing better than you actually are? Do any of those characteristics from verses one through five there describe you? Do you need to make some adjustments in your life? Is there a way that you've been ignoring what the Holy Spirit has been saying to you? And if, if adjustments are necessary, how are you pressing into the examples and the influence of godly people around you? Some of you know that person that you need to go out to lunch with because they've got some good advice and they've got something you need to hear and, and yet you ignore that person. You tell them that you've got to work late and, and you're busy and you're, you're sitting at home feeling convicted and avoiding that conversation. So how do you need to lean into the examples of godly people in your life. How are you knowing God's word and God's truth and, and being known? I mentioned movement groups and I, I want you to know that, that uh, when we tear all of this stuff that you see right here down, this becomes a YMCA gym again. And so movement church is not in this room more than like 90 minutes a week, right? But, but we're a church that, that lives and exists and goes from here and is in the hearts of people and in the homes of people. And so we have movement groups that meet all over the west side of the city. We have groups that get together and study God's word and talk through the message from Sunday and process what God is doing. We have groups that get together and say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, what's going on in your life? Tell me what's going on in your marriage. Tell me what's going on in your relationship. Tell me what's going on at work. And that's how we get to to know God's word and know God's truth and be known and how we get to speak into each other's lives and we often give each other that, that audience that we can say, yeah, I want you to hold me accountable. I want you to remind me what it looks like to be like Jesus. And if you're not in one of those groups, I would encourage you to, to look into that back at the Connect Center. Because sometimes left to ourselves, we, we drift off course from being godly. Sometimes we need people to help hold us accountable. We need people to speak into our lives. We need people that can speak God's word into our lives and encourage us. Last question I wanna ask, how are you intentionally studying scripture and knowing God's word? And not just studying scripture, but how are you being obedient? Because you can read a lot of words and not let them have any, any impact in your life. How are you adjusting your life based on what you're reading in scripture? And I want you to, I want you to, to think about this as we close. If it's been a while since you've, you've read something in scripture and had to change your habits or your heart, if it's been a while since you read something in scripture and had to go and apologize to someone or change your calendar or change your to-do list, if it's been a while since you've read something and been convicted and had to make a change, it may be that you're not giving license to the Bible to speak into your life because we're the ones that are, that are flawed and sinful and human. And it's perfect and it's true and it's unchanging. And so it should regularly be correcting us and chiseling us and changing us and speaking into our lives. And so if you haven't made a change because of something you read in scripture in a while, 
It might just be that you're not being led by the Spirit. You're not listening to what God wants to say. We're in a unique place right now as a church, having just sent our first church plan and and sending many capable leaders away. and, And we're excited about what God is doing in this next season, but we know that we need to raise up leaders. We need to push ourselves as leaders and as Christ followers, and we need to see people and their gifts develop so that we can move forward as a church. And a huge part of doing that is looking in the mirror and saying, does my life look like Jesus? Another huge part of of doing that is just letting godly people have influence in us and having influence in the lives of each other and speaking in to each other's lives and being obedient to scripture. That's what what the next phase of Movement Church will look like as we seek to lead and, and grow together. Let me pray for us. God, I want to just humbly admit that this passage convicted me this week and Lord, sometimes left to our, our own desires and ourselves. Lord, we don't listen. And we remove the influence of godly people who've invested in us. We think that we're, we're past them or we're beyond them and we, we don't let them speak into our lives anymore. So God, I pray that I would be a, a man that does that. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that does that. Pray that we will have influence and impact in the lives of each other as we run toward you. God, I pray that we'll let your word speak into our lives and correct us and train us and convict us. God, I pray that that simply put, that we will be a room full of people, a church full of people. When we look in the mirror, that we'll be able to say, Lord, that's, that's old, that's out of style, that's out of fashion. That's not who I wanna be. I want my life to look like Jesus and it It doesn't look like Jesus anymore and so I need to update some things. I need to change some things. I need to adjust some things. God, help us be spirit-led. Help us be honest with what you're saying, what you're doing in our lives and help us make the adjustments that you're calling us to make. God, I pray that that this morning was was a reality check for our leadership, for our influence and for where we are. And so God, I just ask that we'll be obedient, that we'll be transparent, and we'll be willing to make the changes that you're calling us to make. It's in your name I pray. Amen.